Hey there, listener. I know you're dying to get to today's juicy, juicy episode, but real quick, we wanted to tell you something special. If you hadn't heard, we are coming out with an actual play Dungeons and Dragons show. It's going to be called Pact and Boon. And if you listen to the end of today's episode, you can actually hear the first part of episode one. Now, if you want to make sure you don't miss the launch of this new show, go to sessionzerostudios.com slash guild and sign up to join our free community where we'll announce all of these things. But again, if you listen to today's episode all the way to the end, you'll hear a snippet from the first part of the first episode and tell us what you think. But uh, in the meantime, let's get back to today's show. Hello, and welcome to How to Be a Better DM. My name is Tanner Wayland, and together we're going to learn about how to make great adventures for our players. Uh, today we're going to jump right in. Uh, we do have, uh, as I mentioned, and I'm going to mention this briefly before I jump into our topic, uh, we do have a one-shot happening in a couple weeks. Uh, those slots are filled up, but we're doing these more consistently now. Uh, we'll be doing a monthly uh, for the most part, and you can see on our website, and I'll even have uh, the link in the show description, but uh, you can sign up there. We'd love to have you. We always love playing with our, uh, with our listeners. It's always such a fun time. Okay, now I can get to the meat, to the good stuff. And today it's about one-shots, specifically how to make D&D one-shots with impact. Uh, what do I mean? Uh, so a lot of times you'll probably notice this during, you know, a longer campaign. Uh, there's specific moments that are really fun. There's some moments that are really, you know, deep and provocative. Uh, and then there's other moments that are just so-so, right? Uh, the problem with one shots is you don't have a whole campaign and multiple sessions and multiple times together with players to, you know, make a, a juicy experience, right? Uh, so that's kind of, that's the hard thing with one shots. They're kind of like short stories as compared to, no to novels where like a novel doesn't always need to be just five stars, right? They've got some downtime. They've got some exposition. They have different parts that aren't really moving you, but they're kind of ramping up, right? Uh, a short story, you don't get that luxury. Everything kind of has to be fine-tuned and perfected so that Every part of it is just impactful and meaningful and really hits you. And that's kind of what you're trying to do with one shots as well. Uh, you don't have the buildup. You don't get to have just average parts. I mean, you can, right? But the hope is that your players have kind of the range of emotions that, you know, they would have during a campaign, but within a one singular one shot. And that's pretty hard, frankly. Uh, but you know, you can do it. And there's a few tips that I have today that can really help you make one shots with impact. Uh, first, I think uh, this is something, you know, it's true of, uh, of people and it's true of one shots. If there isn't a purpose or a clearly defined mission, uh, then a lot of times it can wander. And I think that that's uh, especially true um, when DMs don't know how to start out a, a one shot correctly. Uh, and so to start out correctly and to give, you know, kind of that mission statement, quote unquote, uh, what you're going to want to do is provide conflict 
and wait as in like make it so that the conflict has is kind of a weighty matter that the characters and the players playing them will actually care about uh so to do this there's a couple ways one when you're writing the one shot or when you're choosing a one shot you know if you choose a pre-written one uh you're going to want to choose one that uh that the player that the characters your players are bringing to the table that they would care about right uh for example there's this one that uh i'm i've been writing and i'm actually going to be using it next week uh but it's about a wedding and now yes the wedding's with a princess and everything but the reason why the characters care is because they've been childhood friends with the princess and that's why that's why they've been you know bridesmaids groomsmen because they have that close connection with uh with the couple um and of course it helps that she's a princess and and he's a prince and everything right regardless that kind of storytelling and being like hey this has a weighty um conflict for the characters involved and they'll want to be involved that kind of adds some nice motivation right uh second you're going to be want to be really specific with your uh with your intro lines uh sometimes you know sometimes uh dms when it's a longer campaign they have a nice little intro but then it's just a lot of you know sitting around a tavern kind of getting to slowly emphasis on the word slowly <laughs> uh, get to know each other as characters right you you don't have that luxury you've got to just very quickly have everybody introduce themselves and then you start in with a pre-written line right uh for another one shot that i've written uh it could be something like this the troops in riven pass are outnumbered freezing and starving while defending against the hordes of kobolds you and your team are the only ones who can help them survive the onslaught the commander of the slowly moving reinforcements to those troops called you and your team in handed you a bag of holding with supplies for the troops and pointed over the mountain pass we can't wait he said or rather they can't you need to make it to that pass with the supplies for all those men or else they die now i think that you can see how something like that would feel different and also give a lot of immediate purpose over something where you're like okay uh so uh here's the different players you're walking through camp um because i actually thought about this when i was writing the one shot i had a whole scene where the players are walking through camp and then uh the commander of the garrison of these reinforcements actually like has to sit down and he's like in a meeting and they go into the tent and he explains everything that that was fine you know it'd be fine maybe even in a lot of one shots but i realized i was like you know what i'm losing a lot of momentum and momentum's key uh momentum and purpose are key in one shots cuz if if you don't have that or rather if your players don't then then you're not going to probably get done or you're going to have to skip a lot of parts which you usually have to do anyway <laughs> and then you know th- and it's hard for them to feel as invested because they just lost that steam uh so that's kind of my first piece of advice to make impactful one shots is making sure that you have conflict and wait with a w e i g h t um second i would say that a good one shot needs variety uh now 
there's obviously exceptions, right? I'm sure everyone's heard of a one shot where, you know, the entire thing happens in a coliseum, which surprise, surprise is just for fighting, (laughs) you know? Yeah, you're maybe talking with the, you know, the leader equivalent uh, as, you know, you bargain for your life as they sit up in the stands, right? But for the most part, it's going to be a gauntlet of enemies, you know, lions, tigers, bears, gladiators, oh my, you know? And, but even within a setting like that, and especially in a setting that isn't just begging for a continual fight, you're going to want to have a good amount of variety. And this is doubly true if you have new players. You want players to experience everything that a normal campaign has, right? That includes combats, skill checks, traps, which of course falls under skill checks, right? Uh, Role-playing and interacting with NPCs and other players, making decisions in terms of what you're going to do. If you can include all of those, then then you've won, right? You've created a very well-rounded one-shot. Uh, which is always more enjoyable. Uh, I have some tips for this. Uh, of course, first off, you've got to look at combats differently. Uh, you can't just be like, hey, here's a bunch of stat blocks against my player's st- stat blocks. Let's, you know, roll some dice. I-, I would really argue that most combats, aside from maybe the combat with the big bad, or, or you know, maybe not all of the combats, but like only one combat should be like super standard and basic where it's just, you know, beating down the other side while they're beating you down. For the other combats, you should make it so that, you know, there's a chance that the NPC can be dissuaded or the NPC and the players are going for the same objective and whoever gets it uh, essentially get the combat ends, right? Uh, or it could be a case of uh, wanting to... Uh, have a trap go off in the middle of combat or have it in an interesting environment, whatever it is, throwing in these other kinds of curveballs can make it so that, hey, even when you're spending time in combat, your players are having an interesting experience with a lot of variety. And the same can be true for, you know, for more diplomatic role-playing situations, right? Uh, You can mix in skill checks. You can make it so that it's very action-based type of conversation. You know, you could have the players uh, see that the NPC is doing something or they're guarding something. And then you can kind of have that action where it's a bit of back and forth, but then the players are like, Hey, let me help you out. Or, you know, the rogue is like, Hey, distract him. I'm going to go around and, and get through that door that he's guarding or whatever. Right. The point is you've got to look at things multidimensionally. A combat isn't just a combat when it comes to variety, right? You can also be skill checks and role-playing. And role-playing isn't just role-playing. It can also include skill checks and lead to potential combat. Um, In in all cases, you know, you're going to want to keep each of these different sections somewhat short because it's hard to fit every, you know, every one of the wonderful aspects in D&D from combat to role-playing to skill checks. It's hard to fit all of that in one session Um, if you're not being super purposeful and if you're also not cutting certain things short when you're, when you realize they're not, sorry, when you realize they're going too long, uh, third, and this is kind of, this is more of a, uh, a nuanced tip, I would say, uh, you still want a satisfying ending. 
because if you had a great start where you gave, you know, purpose to the characters and also uh, did a very crafted exposition that gives them kind of the scope of the adventure. Um, if you've done that and if you've gotten variety, that's great. But so many things fall flat if you don't end, uh, you know, a story correctly. Um, so that's where you can do a few different things. As I've mentioned a few times, uh, one shots are very hard to get to the end. Because uh, to some extent, if you're going to have a satisfying quote unquote ending, it has to be written by you or it has to be in the pre-written adventure. But the thing that makes uh, one shots so unsatisfying sometimes is that DMs get rushed. They essentially lead the players to an unearned ending, right? Where it's like, oh, uh, you don't have time to do more than just like hit the boss a couple times or discover that the boss or the big bad is, you know, is, uh, is the next door neighbor. Oh, you just found it out. Now you have a whole battle in front of you, right? If something like that happens, then it's going to be easy to be like, oh, you find that the neighbor's the person and, uh, the police come and arrest them and y'all live happily ever after. It's not quite as satisfying and and I think players will feel that. And so what you, you're going to want to do is know the different parts of the one shot and which parts are less important, right? Or which parts are okay to gloss over. Because I'm going to tell you, glossing over, you know, the big end conflict, that kind of, uh, you know, unless it's kind of the appropriate thing based on the player's choices, it, it can kind of uh, pull the rug out from underneath them. So you're going to want to, you know, if combat is going long, uh, decrease the enemy's points, right? And then, oh my goodness, they died now instead of three turns from now. Uh, or you're going to want to have the enemy run away. Uh, for role-playing, if you notice that the conversation is going way off, uh, way off base, and not like in a fun way, but in a way that just kind of is tiring out the players and you, uh, then a great thing to do would just be to offer up information, you know? Um, or to force a skill check that, you know, then gets them to move on and, you know, whether they succeed or fail and then, you know, that leads to whatever, you're going to want to move things along. Um, now, in terms of a satisfying end, I would say that you're going to also want to have, you know, the villain and the quest giver's lines somewhat written out. Not not fully, right? Because that's really hard because you don't know what the players are going to ask. But at least key parts, right? Like the villain mon monologue. <laughs> I think that that's something that can get out of hand. And then the players can do a lot of back and forth with that, which is sometimes fun. But sometimes if you're like, hey, we're down to the wire. I want to get out this villain's monologue so that the players know why they did this. Oh, also, I want to make sure that uh, that the players you know, get a chance to beat the villain and then hear from, you know, in the one shot I'm running, the princess whose wedding it was, you know, you, you're going to want to have all of that somewhat prepared so that you don't have to, you know, have just kind of an unsatisfying like, oh, the princess said thank you and then you all lived happily ever after. Rather, you could have the princess say, I had no idea that my best friend would try and sabotage my wedding or something like that, right? Uh, and then, you know, maybe even give a little bit of background. And most importantly, uh, for a satisfying ending, 
I think you really do need to be lavish with the rewards. If this is a one shot, think about it. Uh, who's going to care if you give, you know, that barbarian an axe that cuts the world in two, right? No one cares. They're not going to play that character again. Um, and also what you could do is, you know, give away bigger things that, that you don't actually have to follow up on, right? It could be, oh, these, this couple in the group, uh, you give them a house and some land and then they start a family and you kind of give a montage of their life. Uh, whatever it is, just just realize that you're going to want more than just like two or three minutes for the end. Uh, you're going to want enough that you can actually wrap up the story with a nice bow. And that doesn't just start with, you know, planning. It, it, that's part of it. But it's also a lot of rolling with the punches, uh, cutting things short when they don't, you know, when they've outlived their usefulness in providing variety and story. Uh, cutting things short and then tying it up with a nice bow by having, you know, good explanation from the villain, the quest giver, and also giving some great rewards uh, to these players. And as a final note, if you're ever like, oh, but what if, what if I give these amazing re rewards and then we decide to do a campaign with these characters? You know what? That's fine. Do time skip, right? Have the couple whose, whose farm that was, uh, they got divorced or something or maybe they lost the farm in the in the uh potato famine of you know 32 or something right whatever it is you can take away those overpowered rewards um i'm just saying for the purpose of the one shot considering it as one whole adventure in and of itself uh you know be lavish at the end you know lavish in terms of making the villain more villainous uh the quest giver more grateful and your players uh, will give them the happiest ending you can, and then end your story, you know? Uh, end it with a nice, and they lived happily ever after. And at that point, it's going to feel like a true happy ever after versus, oh man, we got to hurry. We got to end this. Uh, you beat them. Great. Game over, you know? Uh, so those were just some different thoughts that I had in regards to one shots. Uh, and it's something that I've worried about a lot personally, because you know, one shots, I've run a lot more campaigns than I have one shots. Uh, and, and I always worry cause I'm like, Oh, what if it's not good enough? What if it's not interesting enough? Um, and you know what, just, uh, I think as a final note here, it, it's okay if it's not perfect, right? Uh, one shot is just kind of an introductory thing. Um, so long as you are trying to prepare well enough, and create, first and foremost, a fun environment for your players. Even if the story is not perfect, even if you forget to include a lot of uh, variety, and even if, you know, the conflict isn't all that big, you can still have a fun time and players will want to play with you again, right? Now, if you include those other things, then it's going to make for a better one-shot. But in the end, it's the environment you create that will make players enjoy playing with you. And that's what I want to leave with you. I really hope that you have a wonderful week. Uh, I, I know I will. My sister's getting married this weekend, so kind of a kind of a busy weekend, but a happy one for me. Uh, so, you know, it's actually funny. I I, I kind of started writing that one shot uh, with the idea of weddings in mind because my sister was getting married. Um, but I think that's one of the fun things about one shots 
you can you can kind of create them based off of specific ideas that are one-shot ideas but are really fun uh, so go out there get uh, write or get a nice one shot and have a great time with your players and until next time let's roll initiative thank you for listening to today's show uh, we really appreciate your support and your patronage we have a few more announcements to go over uh, first, thanks for listening to today's show. You obviously liked it because you listened this far. So, as a treat, we want to give you a taste of what's coming. Listen up. Well, folks, we are living in the world of Kalignos. Um, world of fantasy, magic, adventure, death, life, gods, the lack thereof, murder, love, mystery, no love, Gosh, zero love, but most of all, love. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there's some love, but we won't be doing any of that because I don't like it. Because we're all men here. We're yes. all thank here. Yeah. I mean, hey, well, actually, well, we'll, sorry. Stop. <laughs> sorry. I'm gonna bring the love. Thank Tanner. You. Tanner will bring the love. <laughs> I feel that. Come with us. Um, we find ourselves in hell. The Nine Hells, to be exact. Each layer of the Hells grows more violent and evil in its nature. We pass beyond Avernus, the first Hell, a rocky and desolate landscape being constantly ruptured and broken by meteors falling from above and volcanic eruptions from below. A legion of fiends marching towards some unknown destination, branded and prepared for war. A frighteningly gorgeous woman in dark robes at their head. Falling through an opalescent pool, tumbling through the heats of hell, we find the Iron City of Dis, the second level of hell. The walls, buildings, and streets all glow with a dull red of hot metal. A monstrous tower pierces the sky and overlooks the Iron City the throne of Dispater. Peering at its subjects, a waterfall of molten lava flows out of a wall covering an entrance to the underground prison network where prisoners of war, criminals, and kidnappers are kept and reformed. Mentiri, the prison of Dis. Now, our intent is to find heroes of the light, heroes of righteous demeanor, Heroes that can bring the world from darkness and save the innocent. Let's go see if we can find them in Mentiri. We find ourselves deep in a portion of Mentiri called The Purge. An unsettlingly clean and put together section of the prison dedicated to the torture, reformation, and punishment of prisoners. An Aaron Yace clad in blood-red plate armor, drags a jet-black dagger down the bare chest of a human man strapped to an iron table. Damn. He's dashing, rippling with muscles, white blonde hair disheveled. It's long, about shoulder length. He's, he's a good-looking dude, right? So there is some love. Okay. You're in Calignos. Right. <laughs> we're feeling it. All right, good. And it's all his, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it is. He clenches his teeth, 
in pain as the dagger is just casually dragged down his belly as blood starts to come out. Um, He fixes his gaze on this devil woman and says, I will ever serve the light. May the gods curse you. And he spits. She sighs, breathes in deeply, puts away the dagger, and summons a giant greatsword from out of the nothingness. Uh, Before the man has time to finish the gulp, as he sees this giant blade, uh, his head is lopped off. Oh. Um, So... (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) There goes the hero of light. Not so handsome anymore. Um, Let's see if we can find anybody else. What do you say? That's right. We're coming out with an actual play D&D podcast called Pact and Boon. And we are so excited to share this with you. Just so you know, our characters start out in the Nine Hells. And if that doesn't sound fun enough for you, let me just say that Tanner will be sporting a German accent, and it is quite delightful. So if you want to be notified for when this show comes out within the next few months, go to sessionzerostudios.com slash pactnboon. That's P-A-C-T-N-B-O-O-N. Put in your name and email, and we'll let you know as soon as Pact and Boon is released. Tired of being alone? Are you tired of not having any of your players understand you? Are you tired of never truly belonging? Well, you're in luck. All you need to do is join the Guild. The Guild is a unique and exclusive experience that is only open to Dungeon Masters. It is a full community focused on helping ease your DMing burdens. Want to meet other DMs? Join the guild. Want to discuss your homebrew ideas with people who would appreciate it instead of just telling your cat? Join the guild. Want to find a place where all your wildest dreams will come true? Join the guild. Go to monsters.rent slash guild and sign up today for free. Wait, that can't be right. Chuck, Chuck, can you check this again? Is this supposed to be... What? Oh, it's... They're serious? It's free? Oh, okay. All right. Yes, go to monsters.rent slash subscribe slash guild and sign up today for free, even though they are crazy for giving this away for free. Common side effects may include burping, sneezing, laughing, breathing, hearing, listening, tasting, farting, creating sarcasm, puns, and in extreme cases, explosive diarrhea. That's all the announcements we have today. Again, thank you so much for everything you do for us. You make this show possible. Like we said before... We'll be back next week with another great episode, and until then, let's go ahead and roll initiative.